Welcome to the Nothing But Nonsense podcast. I'm your host, Dawson, and I've got my two co-hosts with me, Andrew and Matt. Hello. Hello. Oyo, 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 oyo. Back here so, again on the radio waves of America. <laughs> <laughs> so, right to the point. Today, uh, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit. I, I know, Matt, you haven't seen this. Oh, here we go. Talk, you have. Talking about yeah. something I haven't seen. Great. Awesome. Uh, well, that just keeps us from doing spoilers, which is okay. Yeah, um, I guess. So I'm curious if you've seen this, Andrew, uh, or not. Uh, but have you seen Stranger Things? I have not. I have only uh, half of an episode, and that's it. Okay. So this kind of makes this a little bit easier since neither of you have seen it. it but a little bit, because uh, the second half of season four uh officially came out last friday uh or two fridays ago technically uh on july 1st and i just wanted to say like man they're great at writing characters uh it doesn't matter if this thing were sci-fi or a sitcom i think just the characters are what you bring what bring you back to the show um really like there's not a single character in the show where I'm like, I cannot stand them unless they've written them that way. Uh, the cast is just perfectly casted and they mesh well together. They have a ton of chemistry and you just enjoy watching them and kind of just getting to know them as characters. It's one of the few shows out there where like if they wanted to have an episode of just them talking about nothing and just living day to day life, even though it's like a sci fi show. You, we would watch it and we'd be like, yeah, these characters are great. I love this. Uh, and I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I can't, I can't start it. I've, I've watched the first few episodes of the first season and I just can't. The first four episodes of the first season are really just to help you establish a connection with those characters, get to know them. And then they start to get into the action that is all the sci-fi horror stuff that they are. Uh which does help with the show overall, but by like season two and season three, you're you're coming back for the characters, not all of the action sequences with the Demogorgon and the Mind Flayer and all these things. It's it's more for the characters. Uh, yeah, like uh, the the essentially bad guy in the first season, which is Steve. He becomes a fan favorite by season two. It's just, they just write characters very well. So I kind of wanted to ask you guys what what shows or what movies have you really just enjoyed the characters of like a ton uh, to the point where you may not enjoy the show anymore even, but you come back because you're just like, wow, I love those characters and I'll come back for them. So I'll give you a little time to resonate with that. But I just kind of yeah. wanted to commend stranger things for doing a fantastic job at overall writing characters into a story uh like this past season i think they were filming a lot during like the covid time um because a lot of the uh cast was kind of split up into little sections and segments and when they finally come back together it's that much rewarding because you just want to see them all together uh, but I think they do that in a lot of seasons too, where they just kind of go in separate ways and then they reconverge and it's just like, ah, finally they're all together. <laughs> so 
Uh, a show for me, I'd have to say, is Parks and Recreation. I really love that show. And I feel like each of the characters, as a comedy, is written as a different foil for each of the characters. Like, each, each of the characters brushes a different point of this their commentary on the work of uh, government people in small towns and small town America. They even talked about, if you look at some of the behind the scenes of the show, they talk about going around to different uh, small towns in America doing research for the for the show, and they found a lot of people that they based the main characters in the show on. So it's really interesting to see these show the characters in the comedy. So it's like you find the characters that you hate, and you find the characters that you don't mm-hmm. hate, and you characters that you love. And it's very fun to watch those characters grow over the seven seasons that the show was on. Yeah, and so and to maintain some aspects of the characters, but also maintain. And it's just like good characters is a sign of good writing. Like if you have a character. Agreed. It's 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 more. I think it's said said somewhere. I don't remember specifically who or when it was said or what about what. But if you character, it's more. It's better to play. I've heard it said that it's better to play a hated character than a liked character because it's very easy. I feel like they've said it's very easy to play a character that people like because you just have to do good stuff. You just have to do yeah. nice stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you play a character that's hated. You have to make people hate you. You have to do. You have to play that part. And yeah. obviously, for the most part, unless it's a documentary, people who are doing the bad stuff in these films are not act in shows are not actually doing this bad stuff or believe this oh, yeah. bad stuff in real life. Like it's it's quite it's quite an accomplishment if you can care if you can play a show in a show. You can play a character that's universally hated by all the characters by yeah. all the watchers. Like exactly that is that's a that's an achievement for that actor. And the funny thing. Is usually these actors turn out to be the nicest people in the world. Oh, like they absolutely. Could be, mm-hmm. Like some of the sweetest people, like, could not be kinder. Because yeah. it's like, well, obviously you see the worst side of them. Now you get to see their actual personality. So it's funny. It's not really yeah, like it's not of... really like an evil character. But I know one thing that you brought up before Andrew in a real life conversation we had was like um, the I forgot her name, but she plays Rosa from Brooklyn Nine Nine. And how like different oh, yeah. her personality is in real life from oh, that character. So yeah, she's she, so like lively and bubbly in real that life. That actually affected her in a in a real life way. Is um, for the movie Encanto, she was brought in. Yeah, to, I don't know if you guys have seen it. <laughs> yeah, she was brought. There's a there's a sister. Her the main character's sister is a br- buff brooding. Uh, person and she's yeah. her her magical powers she's super strong mm-hmm. and yep. she was brought in to play to audition for that character because the people on the people who cast who were who the casting people thought she was actually the way that her character rosa was detailed in the show ha. like and so but when she got there she was this bubbly up up uh what's the word upbeat yeah, upbeat. just upbeat. Yeah. Uh, bubbly, upbeat, happy, happy-go-lucky person. That it's really funny because you'll see in some interviews with her for behind the when Brooklyn Nine Nine was on, you would see some behind-the-scenes interviews, and she would have these big old pink framed sunglasses. Yeah, but the rest, of, but she would still be wearing uh, the costume for Rosa, and it would be this big, this dark black leather jacket and and turtleneck, and so it would be a complete contrast of these pink glass, these big, big framed pink glasses versus this dark brooding costume that she was wearing. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like yeah, like you said, Matthew, it's a very fascinating aspect as as a film person myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
to see a character like that that's just so contrast to the person's personality and so much that if you google such and such uh such and such actor uh you will the first one of the first uh comments you'll see that come up would be like oh so is so and so like so and so in real life right yeah um <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of what you were saying too, Andrew, is you love to hate characters. Like, when when a character is written in a way that they're very hateable, you love to hate them. And that's a sign of good writing. That's a sign of a good character. Uh, because you're not always supposed to like the villain. You know, we like Dark, Darth Vader. We like Loki. We like all these... Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we love all these and... characters because they're, like, cool, intriguing villains that you can kind of relate with in some aspects. And then there's just characters where you're looking... Or you're, you're watching the, at the show or the movie, and you're just like, yeah, I can't stand them. I them at all. They're just a horrible person. And that's the intention of the character. I think Stranger Things has had like three different villains like that or three different characters like that. We're just like, I cannot stand them. Actually, I think it's closer to four or five because they have about one per season. Uh, (laughs) But you're just like, I can't stand them. And sometimes they'll have like a redemptive arc and then all of a sudden they're lovable. Uh, Or they'll just die and you're like, oh, good. Like they they're just horrible people and <laughs> so if you're rooting for them to die in the show then generally that's a sign of a good character <laughs> if they're if their job is to be the villain or if you know they kind of flip the script and uh, become more of the good guy and become more of the hero i think you know like if you do that right and they become like a a fan favorite character if not the favorite character of the show uh because one of the characters in stranger things was the was kind of a villain in the first season and now he's a fan favorite uh that's a sign of good writing too mm-hmm. so stephanie stephanie beatriz is there you name. go yeah, that's yeah. Her name. yep who played who plays rosa diaz on who played rosa diaz on, <clears throat> on brooklyn 99 so yeah her her portrayal is just fantastic because yeah. it's I, just I, so even in like such a now, I wouldn't say simple or small because that's that's just demeaning her work. Mm-hmm. But in such a a non in a comedic show, especially in such a non I forget what I don't want to I, I forget I don't I'm at a loss for words of how not to demean her pro her <laughs> uh, but like you would expect this kind of performance in like oh an Oscar worthy movie or something. But the fact that she the fact that she's giving this performance on a weekly yeah. basis <laughs> for a TV show mm-hmm. just so just goes to show how much of a fantastic actor she is because yeah. she can do that. Yeah, it's yeah, just... it's to the point where I'll watch something if I see she's in it because I'm like oh she's a great actress. But that being said, I did not enjoy Encanto that much. So <laughs> or in or it. in the Heights. Worst movie ever. Yeah, she's also in that. Worst. I didn't enjoy that. That was, but she so wasn't bad. a main character in that. So I no, she was not. She was only in a really handful of scenes. That. Right. I've seen. But... I've seen neither. It's don't <laughs> don't don't bother. Uh, I don't want to steal the spotlight here, but another show I think is uh, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Dude, gosh dang it! I was gonna bring that up because I'm finally watching <laughs> that show. <laughs> that show writes characters. And especially the characters as such mature, well-rounded, developed characters that you honestly forget that those characters are children within themselves. The main character, Aang, is 12 years old. Toph is 14. Sokka, I think, is like 15. And Katara is 13 as well. And I think Zuku is also 
14 or 15 at the time. Azula mm-hmm. is like, she's 14. So it's like you look at all these characters Holy that crap, are children. Really? Yeah, they're way younger than you think they are. Oh, it's, wow. it's, 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 it's to the benefit and also to, I think, kind of the detriment of the show. And it, for such a fantastic show to have this small little detail be its detriment, I think is fine. I feel like if they had written the characters to be like, oh, these characters are 17, 18, that's fine because that makes more sense. That makes a little bit more sense than these kids being so young and being yeah. acting so mature. So it's a little bit. But those characters are just so round, well-rounded and fantastic mm-hmm. that yeah. it's just like sometimes it kind of makes watch... sense for the the world that they've created too, though. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Those guys have they done, had to they mature at an early age because everyone's at war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it just goes show to the detriment of the kids and the kind of the uh, the story that they're telling is like this this world that's been at war for a hundred years. And you having to face that facts is these kids having to grow up way beyond their time and having to end up saving the world from destruction, from evil at such a young age and having to go through this turmoil of Katara and Sokka losing their mother, Aang losing his entire culture, uh, Toph not being understood by her parents and locked away, Zuko being injured and uh, basically thrown away by his father and hated and Mm -hmm. almost killed by his sister. It's such this fantastic. It's such a fantastic show, and yeah. just like really, really so, does does some amazing things. I'm like, so that, it. I'm that like, was gonna I, be your. Well, that was gonna be your answer, Matt. I had a <laughs> thank. Thankfully, I did have a couple, but that was gonna be one of the. I guess my more expanded points. I guess because I'm only like halfway through book two of that show right now, so I'm not. So I thankfully know who Azula is, but. Um, but it, it was kind of related to a couple things that were brought up prior because we had you, you talked about characters you love to hate and like Azula and one of the other two firebender like girls that she kind of travels with um, are Ivy very, very hateable. May. Yeah. Yeah. May is the one I'm thinking of. Ty Lee. Is that her name? Ty Lee. Ty Lee. She's she is not super hateable because she's got a super like weird bubbly personality that just doesn't really fit in with the others but um, so you hate may for her doom and gloom yeah she's just a typical she at least from what i've seen so far she's kind of a very typical like oh i'm super just dark because i'm evil and i have no personality and whatever Hmm. else but at the same time like the three of them are a very interesting trio so like i can't dock it too hard but then you also you guys also brought up like of person that's originally kind of evil and hated and then they kind of come around and that's kind of what zuko is he's kind of starting his redemption i don't know if it's a redemption arc because again i haven't finished you, the show but like i've come like to really age yeah right, yeah. right, right, right yeah like you i've really come to such a treat i am yeah i'm really excited to finish it i have avoided literally all spoilers about this show since it existed i don't know how considering it's been that's around for so long incredible. and so many that's people have incredible. seen it yeah right so I'm real. So I'm really looking forward to finishing it because I actually have like no idea what the rest of the se- what, what the rest of the series has in store. So I am very excited. But the other you are in sort of such a treat, Absolutely. such an amazing treat. So so wonderful and perfect. I can't wait. Show. But the other but, ones I was going to bring book, up were book three is so fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll shut I can't up. wait. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'll shut up now. <laughs> I appreciate your input. Andrew's um, like you've avoided spoilers this whole time. Here's a spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> Here's a spoiler right here. Um, the other you ones I was going to bring on up something like, I love. I'm going to keep. Yeah, right. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the joy. Okay. 
the joy of recording via the internet is the, the slight delay that causes things like this to happen. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll finally shut up. So okay. The go. other ones I was going to bring up were two of them are just saying. kind of... Oh, one more thing. Uh, the two, two of them are kind of simple, just kind of like, you know, just they have a cast of characters where you kind of end up liking all of them to certain extents, and that's the office where you have literally an office full of people. And they all have such different personalities and motives yeah. and everything else. But you really come together exactly. in the office to, yep. to like and build that camaraderie. Exactly. But you really come to appreciate what pretty much every character in that show is. Because they're all so unique and set apart from each other. Despite Absolutely. Yeah, literally being all in the same place all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other one is Seinfeld, which is notoriously the show about nothing. And... Um, you know, it literally, really is. literally nothing takes place over the course of this show. Like, it's just like, oh, it's so unbearable at times. Though. So many, <laughs> of, so many of the plot lines are just mundane, everyday things. But then you just have these characters set in it that just make these things interesting for some reason. Like yeah. you have Kramer going on these long winded rants about how he's now driving the bus or when he's trying to get the girl's toe to the hospital, which is one of my favorite scenes ever. But um, yeah. there's just so many things about that show where you just come to love the characters. There is one other I wanted to yeah. bring up that was more of an expanded topic, kind of like Avatar. But And it's a little bit of in a different vein in terms of your... But it still kind of relates to your question. But I did want to bring up both the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch. Because yeah. you have all these characters voiced by literally one Bradley dude. Bradley D. Baker. Yeah. Wasn't it D. Bradley Baker? God, Bradley or, D. Baker. I was saying, isn't it yeah. D. Bradley? <laughs> or Brad... D, D. Bradley Baker. Yeah. As I would say, I always switch it because, like, I always think that that's his middle name. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it is D. Bradley his, Baker. Mm-hmm. His name is technically D. Baker if you don't add the middle, the middle bit. Where'd, yeah. the Bra- where'd the Bradley come from then? Oh, wait, no, never mind. That is his, his middle name. I, th- I got you. I yeah. think that's his middle name. <laughs> I thought you, you know meant... you become iconic when you, everyone says your middle name. I thought you meant his name was literally just D. Baker. I'm like, then where the crap did he pull the Bradley from? Did he just throw that in there because he thought it sounded cool? But I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that I thought that was just because all these characters, you have this wide assortment of clones that are all voiced by one guy, and they all are somehow still given such distinct, like, ways of talking even like down to the the most minute points of their character they're all still set apart and unique and you can tell them apart even if their names aren't explicitly stated in a scene like you can have like you know rex cody fives and echo standing around all talking to each other but you know who's you know who they all are even if they're not explicitly stated or if you don't look at you know the color of their armor in some cases but yeah it's just like it's just one of those things he deserves an emmy he really like, does. absolutely. He deserves some. He deserves all the awards for yeah. his mm-hmm. brilliant performance. One thing I wanted to bring up that I think we we all know, but I think we kind of sidestepped, is the MCU as a whole. Yeah, just the char- the brilliant characters of Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. Oh yeah, oh. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> uh, it's become its its bane uh, essentially because I I remember before like Endgame came out and before Infinity War came out. People are always like, I wish they would just have consequences to their actions. I wish these characters would actually have, like, the risk of dying. I wish some of them would actually die. Now, after characters have died, they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. People's complaints are, I don't like it because I miss Iron Man. I miss Captain America. It's not the same. And I'm like, you wanted them to die. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but yeah, just talk about, talk about, you want to talk about a beloved character performance? Talk about Robert Downey Jr., in Iron Man, launching a 
11, what now? Is it 11 or 12 years now? Uh, first one came out in 20, uh, in 2008, so it's... Yeah, so 14-year-long cinematic universe, billions upon billions of dollars worth of revenue, just off of, off of, off of a character just doing so much with the character, doing so well in such a fantastic movie. That's what goes to show when you have good writers, good directors, and good actors. It's the trifecta. And, and good musicians. Yeah. This is my oh. segue. Uh, <laughs> you've got <laughs> you just have great that. music in the, in the MCU. You've got great music in shows like Stranger Things. Uh, you've got, you know, generally when there's a property that a lot of people like, there's great music. Uh, like in the last season of Stranger Things, uh, they just pulled uh, a song kind of out of the out of the hole of the '80s, and uh, it's become kind of TikTok viral because everyone's just obsessed with it and the vibe it gives off. And that's Run Up That Hill, uh, Running Up That Hill with it's. Uh, gosh, now I'm blanking on her name by uh, I think it's Kitty Bush. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, they could have done like the most popular song of that time, but they didn't. They just did more of a deep dive, uh, one that matched the aesthetic of of what they were doing, and it works so well. Uh, a lot of other movies and shows have done that very well. Like, uh, you know what else? Uh, I, I guess uh, Stranger Things takes place in 1986. This last season does, but the top movie of 1986. Guess what that was? Movie or top top movie of that year? Top movie, top movie of nineteen eighty six. Little uh, trivia. I don't uh, even foreshadowing what's gonna have happen later, but I'll give you a hint. They finally just had a sequel. Oh, Top Gun. Yeah, Top oh. Gun was the top movie of nineteen eighty six. Again, By the fantastic way, top, soundtrack. Top That's, Gun. Yeah, not a good movie. Top Gun, not a good movie. Top Gun Two, fantastic movie. Absolutely, they need to give you more time to like grieve and feel the story in the first one. The second one, they give you that time, um, and they just again create fantastic characters. They bring back the music from the first movie, and the music is just fantastic. And that uh, it it very much matches the vibe of uh, fighter pilots and like an elite level. Uh, it, just having. Uh, just put electric guitar in more movies, if I'm honest. But there you go. Uh, <laughs> Here's your answer. Problem solved. Which Stranger Things also had a Metallica song in the fourth season. Awesome. With yeah, and he's like the character uh, that's kind of just going through this moment. I'm trying not to spoil anything, but he's playing an electric guitar in like the upside down, and it's just it's the most like boss moment i've i've seen metal is the word yeah, you're metal for. yeah i was like i know there's like a proper term for this it's the most metal moment in like any show uh and yeah like there's just a lot of good music that enhances like the the movie going experience or the show going experience uh show watching experience because you don't really go to a tv show uh <laughs> but that being said i kind of wanted to just see what your guys's favorite like show uh, uh tv not tv i'm thinking in terms of what i was just talking about tv shows uh i wanted to know your favorite soundtracks within like the movies um 
and I'll, I'll go first to give you guys a little bit of time to think about it. But, yeah, this, one, this one's uh, going to take me a hot minute. Yeah, so for me, Top Dog, <laughs> not Top Gun, but Top Dog is actually uh, How to Train Your Dragon. They do a fantastic yeah. job. Yeah, getting, that's a good one. Getting the the themes for each and every character. Um, and there's like breakdowns of this stuff on YouTube. And it's it's just so much more in depth than you would even think that it is. Like each and every character's theme is gone over or, or is played within the first five minutes of the movie when they're introducing you to all the characters. And then they re-implement them throughout the movie and like give them more purpose and grow essentially in in i guess uh overall oomph and in power when their scenes require it they become more somber somber when they have to and uh the coolest example of just how they use the themes within this movie is when hiccup and toothless finally are working together as a team uh, their themes are blended together, and that's when you get the bum, 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 like that huge, like, grand theme that everyone knows. Uh, that's actually just a combination of uh, Hiccup's theme and Toothless, Toothless's theme that you already hear prior to that in the movie. You hear Hiccup's theme when they introduce him, and when he just kind of has his moments, like with his dad, and uh, when he's. Uh, when he first meets Toothless, you get that big menacing, like, like ambient, uh, or like really like, I guess, overarching theme that kind of builds that uh, main one we hear later. You you hear like that uh, theme when Toothless is essentially attacking uh, Hiccup for knocking his tail off, and like that's their first meeting experience and we get to hear toothless's music for the first time and you kind of hear that subtly throughout uh the rest of their interactions you you hear an interchange of uh of their music and then when they finally start when hiccups finally riding his dragon and like flying through the skies uh it starts playing them in sequence and not together because they're not quite working together as a team and then once they finally figure it out, that's when it all just comes together. And then they bring it back for the next movies and like give new characters their own themes. And it's just it's done so fantastically and it's so consistent. And like, I, I think it's the it's the best soundtrack in probably any movie I've watched uh, or any series of movies I've watched, even ab above Star Wars, in my opinion. And I love Star Wars music. It's just they're not consistent through all of Star Wars, I think. Uh, the episode eight and nine didn't have the greatest of music. Episode seven introduced themes that they just didn't bring back fully or expand upon. Um, but Star Wars is certainly in my top top five. I'd actually rank them three. The one that comes ahead of it is actually Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, and I think the soundtrack for that is just so unique. And I've downloaded multiple songs from it. Uh, like there were multiple songs that were just written for it in general too. And those artists just nailed the vibe of the movie. I think Sony is actually underrated for how they use music within their movies. The amazing Spider-Man two does a fantastic job with music too. A lot of the Spider-Man movies do actually. Uh, but like even in their marketing, I wouldn't say that venom 
is a fantastic series of movies, like the Venom movies. Um, Facts. And I also would not say Morbius is a good movie. Um, no. Whoa, breaking but, news. Breaking but, news, Morbius is bad, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> but in their trailers and their marketing, they do a fantastic job with the soundtrack. Like, two is the loneliest number. Like, that, that song for the second Venom movie for the, the trailer, fantastic. Like, it just completely makes you want to watch the movie. And I can't tell you how many times I watched the Morbius trailer, and I was like, you know what? This trailer is probably way better than the movie, and it's making me kind of want to see it. But ultimately, I didn't go and see it because I, I knew it was going to be bad. But the trailer did a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> to actually make me kind of want to see it. And, I mean, the trailers for, for Venom, those movies, like, that's partially why I went and saw them. I knew Spider-Man wouldn't be in them, but... That yeah, goes to show like, how good how how good editing goes to sell even though oh, absolutely. projects. You can have a fantastic really, trailer yeah. and a terrible movie, and that just goes to show how editors are just a key yeah. piece of the entire filmmaking process because it's just and uh, it's 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 incredible what you can do. Like they yeah. say, there's there's three different movies you make. There's the movie you write, there's the movie you shoot, and then there's the movie you edit. And there's three vastly different movies. Yep. Or not vastly, but very different movies from each other. And so the trailer picking up the best bits from a film and making it into what it is, it's just, it's, it's a fan. It's a, it's a heavy job and a, uh, and if you do it right, it can make even the worst film seem fantastic. Oh yeah. And like, just like when you write a good character, it makes people kind of want to come back to it. It makes people emotionally connect with, whatever you're whatever they're watching uh music does the same thing it, it because of the way music is uh it just helps you connect with whatever you're watching a little bit better because you're emotionally being led with the music to how to feel uh if you know it's more of an angry scene you you generally have like a lot more of the uh the brass instruments where like it's just big and menacing and you're supposed to not like this character or you're supposed to be intimidated by the intimidated by this um or when it's more of a somber moment you've got just like a soft like uh soft melody on the piano or something uh the winter soldier does this fantastically uh in the song uh uh, till the end of the line. It's fantastic. One of my favorite songs within the MCU. Um, but that being said, I, again, I think Into the Spider-Verse does a fantastic job in terms of just telling a story with the music, too. Uh, and visuals are all fantastic. Uh, but I love when, ultimately, a story is being told with the music as well as the actual story and the writing itself. And Star Wars does a great job with that too. And that's why they sit at number three for me. Um, because, you know, you, you see like Anakin's theme, Padme's theme, like it comes up, you know, when they have their moments where they're, uh, you know, falling more in love or when they're talking about like Luke and Leia being, uh, you know, being born uh, or you've got like, the Imperial March, which is supposed to intimidate you, and it does a great job with that with, like, Darth Vader. Uh, but then you've got, like, the continuation of... You've got Duel of the Fates in Episode 1, 
and the way Dave Filoni has described Duel of the Fates will make me never look at it the same again. Duel of the Fates is they're battling, like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are essentially fighting for the fate of Anakin Skywalker. If, you know, Qui-Gon lives and they uh, defeat Maul and uh, ultimately Qui-Gon is able to make it past that series of events, he's able to train Anakin and he's able to be more of a father figure to Anakin. And then if... Maul wins, defeats Qui-Gon, then Anakin is either going to just never be trained because Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are both dead, uh, <laughs> or Obi-Wan ends up training Anakin and we get the result we did because Obi-Wan's more of a brother figure to Anakin, and generally an older brother is more... It, they kind of push you in more of a poking and prodding way than more of a guidance way that a father figure would. Um and they bring Duel of the Fates back for Battle of the Heroes in Episode 3, and I think it works fantastically because because of the result of the fate uh, that that child was set on, now you have this full-grown man who's turned into the very thing he's sort of destroyed. He's become a Sith, and now he's destroying the very people that took him in. And uh, It very much kind of is essentially Anakin's song in a way and uh, or Anakin's theme in a way and it's it's cool and I, I very much love it it's probably my favorite like sound within Star Wars outside of like <laughs> the uh uh bombs from episode two from uh <laughs> the slave uh ship with uh quite uh, not quite on with uh Jango Fett and Boba Fett those explosives are fantastic but i'd say duel of the fates and battle of the heroes is the second best sound within all of star wars and then you got like lightsaber ignitions and stuff but yeah uh those are my top three uh i mean lord of the rings is also fantastic oh, obviously marvel's so also fantastic good. like so good both of those tell a story with their music as well it's just i don't want to keep going on forever i kind of want to let you guys talk now so Okay, so for my, I'm gonna get my Star Wars picked out of the way because Star Wars is fantastic. We're talking about some god tier, god tier soundtracks. Uh, the Mandalorian season one and two, their soundtracks, truly amazing. I'm trying to remember the, uh, give me one second to find the uh, guy for the Mandalorian, Ludwig. Gore Gorenson. Yeah. <laughs> Ludwig Gorenson. I think he I think oh, he's Ludwig. German. I think he's German. Um Ludwig Gorenson. He is such a fantastic, amazing composer for uh Star Wars. Right up there, honestly, right up there with uh with John Williams. So Yeah. The Mandalorian seasons one and two, because I can't pick between them, are fantastic soundtracks. Really amazing works of music and art and cinema and just brilliant. Okay, uh, episode five, uh, episode five, Empire Strikes Back. Every soundtrack, every song on that soundtrack is a banger from start <laughs> to finish. Straight banger. Goes so hard it should be called. It should get. It's just steel. I don't even. It's diamond covered soundtrack because it's so hard. It's so good. So fantastic, and. Revenge of the Sith is the is one of if not the and I'll go with the greatest piece of music ever composed in the history it's so of great. humanity. 
step aside Beethoven, step aside Mozart, step aside every other composer because I can't remember any more. <laughs> Just those two. That is the greatest piece of music. You don't even have to watch the film to be emotional about that music because the music, John Williams is so amazing yeah. in his composing and the Dude. London Symphony Orchestra is I... so amazing. When you put those together, it's fire. I have <laughs> to keep a fire extinguisher on me at all times because that is so hot and so fire. It's it's amazing. It's literally <laughs> I don't usually put when on Spotify, I don't usually put like I don't like songs from soundtracks. I usually just like the soundtrack and keep them in my uh mm-hmm. in my albums and oh, I'll yeah. listen to it as a complete thing. But I put Battles of Heroes in my liked songs because it's so good that I want to listen to it. I will listen to it no matter what, whenever it comes up. It's so amazing. It's so, so Dude, perfectly. I, I watched, I kid you not, I watched like a 45 minute to an hour video once on YouTube about uh, like just these two guys. I forget who they were, but uh, they did like a breakdown of all of the music within Star Wars. Like what movie is the best? What movie is the worst? Uh, and full credit to this guy, like, he did not, like, it was the main guy's channel, but he did not like Revenge of the Sith, he, he's not a huge prequels fan, but he made, uh, he ranked Revenge of the Sith as the number one movie in Star Wars for, for the soundtrack, oh. and I'm like, you know what, I can respect that, like, I can respect if someone doesn't like a certain movie within Star Wars, because we all have different favorites, uh, but the fact that, like, it kind of transcended beyond him not liking the movie he's and he has to like fully admit that revenge of the sith has the best soundtrack just goes to show that like the soundtrack in that movie is just fantastic and i think it does carry a lot of the uh slack that uh some of the dialogue has like there aren't there are some you know not great lines in that movie but like the the music just kind of washes it over if i'm honest so i will not accept Revenge of the Sith slander on this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, don't don't get me wrong. It is still my second favorite Star Wars movie, only behind Empire Strikes Back. So take like, that elsewhere. <laughs> like it is still, you know, twelve out of ten for me. So, so uh, hopping over to the MCU, the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy is amazing. The, yeah, the yeah, very awesome, very awesome mix. I know it technically doesn't have all the soundtrack, but that's just assemblage of music that plays throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. is just perfect. It's fantastic. It's a great shout out to James Gunn. The selection of music he chose for that is just mm-hmm. totally, totally awesome. It changed the way MCU does the MCU does like music now too. Mm-hmm. that and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, one thing, another thing to hop over to is uh, like Dawson talked about with uh, the into the Spider-Verse theme show soundtrack. Um, Disney has been do, has done this twice for different movies. Is they once for Black Panther and now for Shang Chi. Uh, is they made an album of artists to, for to make a song, make songs for the movie, and so a lot they, you can hear a lot of the songs in the movie, but not all of them. But it is a fantastic album. That I recommend everyone listens to it because it's mostly made up of uh, Asian artists who uh who make all these songs 
and it's they're just fantastic. And I think even um, even Simu Lee, the main actor who plays Shang Chi in the movie, he has a song on the album. So hmm. it's it's truly an amazing album that everyone should listen to. It's it's really fantastic. Uh, hopping over to video games, one of my favorite Ooh. video games, Sunset Overdrive. The soundtrack for Sunset Overdrive. It's a lot of. Uh, it's I will say it's not for the faint of heart because it's a lot of punk metal songs. Heck yeah! And you know and you know how edgy punk metal songs go, but the game the game is all about its punk edgy aesthetic, but not so much in a cringy way, but more of like a funny way that kind of plays on itself of that punk, uh, edgy nature. But it's a super fun game that I love, and the soundtrack is even great. That it's. It's not. It's just great songs and great bands all on the soundtrack, and it's a really underrated game. And I think a very slept-on soundtrack that is super good, and just all the artists that artists that compile of it. And so, for my final pick for a soundtrack, love there is this video that was created that came out a few years ago called the the time lapse of the future, and it basically goes through the predicted through science and predictions through uh, astrological studies and stuff like that uh, is the time-lapse of the universe, the life, the current from the current time from today all the way up until the death of the universe. And it's truly a fantastically amazing video that everyone, regardless of whether what you believe for science or whatever, doesn't matter. It's just an amazing video to watch. And it just... The soundtrack that they they put together, it's it makes you feel things. I literally, I literally made an al- an album that uh, I made a album, a playlist of music that's called "Music That Makes Me Feel Some Type of Way," and I put the entire soundtrack on that <laughs> on that playlist because it literally reaches into and grabs hold of my heart and my brain <laughs> and it's like you don't really understand the feelings that you're feeling right now but you like them and you enjoy them so it is literally you don't even have to watch the video but i highly recommend you watch the video because it's just it's so fantastically amazing that but you should also watch listen to the soundtrack just by itself because it is some <laughs> amazing music that is uh john d boswell and melody sheep they worked on the album together and it's truly amazing i don't even know how to put it i don't even i have i'm running out of words to describe how (laughs) perfectly amazing it is and it's it just it makes you feel feelings that you don't totally understand but you very much enjoy (laughs) (laughs) so those are my it's funny whenever Dawson brings up a list, or pretty much whenever anybody brings up like a list like this, I usually forget every song I've ever listened to in my entire <laughs> life. Yep, that's exactly so, how it goes. <laughs> that's so, why you're going those, last, Matt. It's like, did you ever see that? Are... You ever see that video where the guy goes up to this girl with like a microphone? It's like one of those like Instagram or whatever people who just goes around and talks to people, and he goes five dollars if you can name a woman, and she literally can't name a woman. <laughs> She's, oh, just, yeah, uh, she's just standing there like uh, uh, can't even uh, say oh, uh, uh, yeah right she could have just literally named herself but like she literally and he, the video goes on for like 15 20 30 seconds and she just never comes up with it and he eventually just leaves uh, also topping right back over to video games the soundtrack for 2016 doom is one of the hardest 
amazingest soundtracks ever. That's like Again. straight metal, right? Oh, it's not even words. It's just metal <laughs> guitar, electric More guitar, electric drums. guitar. It's, That's what I'm saying. Electric guitar makes everything better. And also, <laughs> yep. I totally forgot about these, but the soundtracks for Halo 3 and Halo, Halo I knew 3, that one was coming up. <laughs> ODST. The songs Finish the Fight and One Final Effort. They make you want to go out and fight a non-existent alien race to save humanity. <laughs> like, you makes you want to put on a suit of spate of power armor, jump into the stars, and start punching aliens left and right, no matter if they're threatening humanity or not. You just want to go out there and you want to save humanity from <laughs> an alien invasion. That's just what you want to do because it's so good. Also... <laughs> not to go on for a super long time. Andrew just keeps coming up with more Andrew's ideas. Just like also, <laughs> also I, keep, I keep I keep remembering also. the soundtracks also. for Avatar: The Last Airbender, the entire show soundtrack. Ah, full circle. Just, yeah, here we go back to Avatar again. It's, it's so wonderful. <laughs> Might and have beautiful. to cut you off there, otherwise you're going to talk too much because you're in love with the show, like you were it's, saying earlier. Yeah. Don't get me it's, talking about what I love. <laughs> it's great. It's it's truly amazing. Amazing. Uh, the show Euphoria. They they also have. A, just keeps they also have a, uh, a beautiful soundtrack. That's quite good. Um, I'm trying to think before I take too much time and steal too much of Matthew's time. What if there's anything else? In my mind, Matt's already a skeleton in his chair right now. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I've just spent, I've just used this whole time to try to come up with more ideas. So this is kind of a good thing for me in a way. Um, I think, I think that might, that might be it. All right. Well, I what do have, I do have yeah. a couple things. So Dawson pointed out Winter Soldier already, and just the Winter Soldier theme. I wanted to give particular praise to with that high pitched whatever instrument they got to play whenever he showed up especially when he was still masked and you didn't really you kind of oh, were like for yeah. those of you for those of you who didn't like the, such as myself who didn't know who the winter soldier was before watching the movie when there's an element of mystery like all right who the crap is this guy and it's just like there's that high pitch like or whatever that's going whenever he shows up it's that scene where he appears and then promptly blows up nick fury's minivan is just outstanding music and those scenes that involve him um let's see i also wanted to mention uh you said the mandalorian already so i won't expand on that one but i think i i think that was in my top 10 theme songs list that we did a few episodes ago because i just love everything they did with that show um i also wanted to bring up interstellar as well another Ooh. another outstanding yeah, fantastic. one i mean i'm, it's I'm a, surprised it's it didn't a, come uh, up yet honestly <laughs> It's a Christopher Nolan movie, so that's default God tier soundtrack. Yeah, uh-huh. the dark, the Dark Knight, uh, Inception has Tenet a fantastic was, soundtrack. Tenet I mean, was very poorly sound designed, though. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. much. <laughs> I like the music. It's just in the theater. It was like, yeah. What in the Sorry world was that? Someone's yeah. <laughs> Sorry to blow up someone's speaker in their car right now, but. Uh, whatever that's you, what it sounded like in the theater whatever you tried to do didn't quite translate the discord oh what did it just, you do it just sounded like you stuck your head in the pillow and tried to yell oh well i just basically blew into my lips oh <laughs> that's how yeah. tenants sounded to me you yeah, can't everyone, hear the dialogue it's just all loud if you're editing a movie you should either Watch edit to the, the spe- edit to the specific edit 
the audio to the specifics of a theater audio mm-hmm. or go or play a mo- go you should rent out a privately owned, a, not privately owned but a, rent out a reg, regular movie theater go into that movie theater and edit to that to the what you hear well, the there. unfortunate we'll, thing is it's also bad like on tv is it really you yes. hear it on tv yeah it's horrible you know what's funny is I also I had a hard time better. I had a hard time understanding uh, Inception. I could at not times. hear either of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying I had a hard time understanding Inception at times when we watched that. Um, yeah, somewhat recently Christopher Nolan loves to crank the music, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it's his editing team. But yeah, uh, Tenet was just the most extreme example of that. But Interstellar mm-hmm. is fantastic, and I'm okay with the music being loud yeah, it was because so, it is a fantastic so piece. It it stand it really stands out when you watch it because like, in case it's not obvious, I'm not super like I don't notice music all that much. I obviously notice like major ones like Duel of the Fates and other stuff like that. But when it comes and to the picking Fox up sports theme, yes. But when it comes to <laughs> picking up on like specific music that's playing during a movie and stuff like that, I it just doesn't catch my attention as much. So the fact that as I'm watching Interstellar, it stands out to me like that says a lot about the quality of it for sure. And then I actually wasn't thinking video games till Andrew brought it up, but I wanted to, I did want to bring up that. I know which one you're going to say. The Madden soundtrack is awesome. I'm kidding. Madden's terrible. Um, <laughs> horrible. I was going to make a joke about you bringing up the Madden yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, no, the, the Madden soundtrack. No, the Madden soundtrack is, is notoriously really It's bad. objectively terrible, like, and it has been for, like, at least five years. It's, it's pathetic. Anyway, enough about that, but I don't, because I actually want to talk about stuff that's good, but, um. There back when they actually actually it's kind of interesting that this that I thought of this because they just made a new version. But the Mario Strikers series, this is the Mario Soccer mm. games. They have like individual themes for each team, for each captain, I should say, which is like kind mm. of the main Mario characters. And so every time you score a goal, it would play. And there was just you would get I don't really know how to describe it, but like when you would hear that music play. <laughs> either for your team or against your team because the opponent scored, you would either feel such a feeling of excitement or such a feeling of dread because that was one of the last games I can remember playing that was act where the like story mode or whatever was actually hard. <clears throat> so like the, cause they've really calmed down video game difficulties in terms of like, especially in games like Mario, which that's a topic for another day and in its entirety. But, um, that was one of the last games I can remember playing where, like, you actually would struggle to win the game yeah. sometimes and, like, beat your opponent. So, like, when there were certain teams, like, for some reason, Luigi's team would always give me problems. And every time I'd hear Luigi's stupid theme song, I would just get mad just instinctually, even if it was, like, I was yeah. using him or something. So I wanted I'm to surprised. give that game. What? I'm surprised you didn't mention Sonic Heroes. Sonic That's was Sonic was say. exactly what Sonic I was going to bring up next. <laughs> One of my favorite theme songs ever. I love it just as an actual <laughs> song, not even like in the context of the video game. And really, the Sonic series in general, the music that they select for that game fits so well, and it's just so unbelievably fitting that like this the band that they chose for I believe the one band does most of their music. Um, that they the music they have for particularly the theme songs or just periodic moments throughout the storylines. They're always so good and they match Sonic so well. Cause it's like, you yeah. know, high energy punk rock and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's fitting so well. Sonic X recently. Oh yeah. Really, wanted, really been wanting to go back to that, but I don't know where it would be. Yeah. So. I'm sure you could find it somewhere. But yeah. Those Probably. Were, I think those are all the ones I wanted to hit on in particular, so, but yeah, there was, there's definitely know... a lot of good ones. Do you guys know who Rowan Atkinson is? 
Yes. Yes, Mr. Bean, right? Mr. Bean. Yes. yes. Mr. Mr. So, Bean. I thought he was dead. Oh, he's, <laughs> very, he's very much alive. Because there were like rumors about his death last year at some point. So I got full on Nelson Mandela. Uh, like, I actually had to. Like, I saw that he's in like Man and B or Man versus B on Netflix. And. I was like, wait a second, he's dead. Is this the last thing he's supposed to be in or whatever? <laughs> and Claire, who is with me, uh, she just goes, if he's dead, then how is he in this? And I'm like, I got to look up if he's alive. So I ended up looking him up, and he, sure enough, he's not dead. And <laughs> I, I thought it was super ironic uh, because that's kind of what happened with Nelson Mandela uh people thought he died in prison in the 80s and he actually didn't you know he died in 2013 so hmm. it's called the mandela effect because people like a bunch of people just thought that he died but he didn't so they thought one thing was true but it actually wasn't uh so i kind of wanted to just bring up some mandela effects and see if you guys have uh remember things either distorted or or properly um okay so first one uh what is the peanut butter brand or is it both jiff and jiffy is what is the how are we doing this is this like a turn-based thing or, or are we just i'm or, just gonna have you both answer okay Jiff. yeah just jiff i think yeah it's just jiff but people yeah. thought there was jiffy so I feel like there was a brand called Jiffy. Well, there's Jiffy. Yeah. Jiffy Lube is like Mandela. a car place. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was like in like I feel like that was that's like totally like an eighties. Like thing. a Jiffy Loop. Yeah, Jiffy Lube's like a car sh- like yeah. a repair shop, right? Yeah, it is. Um, next one. How is Looney Tunes spelled? I'll let you guys spell it. L O O N E Y T U N E S. L O O N E Y T O O N S. It's T U N E S. Okay. Like tunes. Right. Yeah, instead T-U-N-E-S. of like instead of cartoons, they did more of like the musical yeah. tune. Yeah. So, yeah, because a lot of the cartoons are a lot of the cartoons are, music, called, yeah. the, are called the Merry Melodies, and mm-hmm. a lot of their uh, a lot of their cartoons were based off of sound design. And that was some of the early idea for uh, for purely t- storytelling through uh, sound and music when there were no characters actually speaking. Because a lot of the a lot of the uh, those cartoons were showed in movie theaters, and kids would go on the weekends to go see them in movie theaters for like a nickel or like a yeah. penny. <laughs> Do you guys remember? Would, and they would just play play that. Yeah. Do it also remember? makes sense because in Space Jam they're called the Toon Squad, and it is spelled like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember the Berenstein Bears? Yes. Berenstein. How do you spell Berenstein? Yeah, it's like S T A I N instead of Steen. But everyone pronounces it Steen, it which has kind of created that Mandela effect. Yes. Uh, everyone knows this one. So you guys probably will get it right. But did Curious George have a tail? He no. Did, he did not. Yeah, he did not. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a monkey. If you have a tail, if, it's, if it has a tail, it's not a. Uh, He's an ape. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, he had. Yeah, if it has a tail, it has. If it has a tail, it's a monkey. If it everyone tail, calls him a monkey, so that's why people think he has a tail. I think that's well, what he is. He that. is referred to as a monkey in the books and stuff. It's because they're all idiots. <laughs> yeah. They didn't take. They like, didn't look, take. Look at this monkey. They didn't take it's scientific knowledge into effect. <laughs> Turns out he's been a baboon this whole time or something. Right. Shout out to so, Veggie Tales because Veggie Tales has a song that says, "If it doesn't have a tail, it's not a monkey." If it doesn't have, if it does have a tail, it's an, if it doesn't have a tail, it's not a monkey. It's an ape. If it yeah. does have a tail, if it, it's if it doesn't have a tail, it's not a monkey. If it has a tail, it's a monkey, not an ape. So, something to that effect. Veggie Tales is actually it's educating our the kids of the last generation. Andrew properly. sounded like Andrew sounded like a record that kept skipping. <laughs> Oh my gosh! He kept like re- he kept restarting his thought, like because he realized he wasn't saying it correctly. It was just like tail monkey m- monkey monkey tail. I couldn't even tell what he was trying to say anymore. If it has a tail, it's not a monkey. If it has a tail, it's a monkey, not an ape. That is the way the song goes. I believe. Do not. It's correct a very me. confusing way to word it. Yeah. I will not accept any corrections. Um, so how do you spell Febreze? F E B R E Z E Febreze. F E F F A or F E A B R E A S E. Don't ask me to spell. <laughs> yeah, this is actually just for our listeners' entertainment to listen to Andrew spell this whole. Um, this is the it's, worst. It's F E Bree F E Breeze. F E B R E Z E. So Matt. Uh, does know how it is spelled. Yeah. Um, is there another... a Z in breeze? Yeah, like a yeah. like a like breeze, like a wind breeze. Yeah, it's B-R-E-Z. yeah. Most people think it's spelled with two e's because like, that's how the actual word breeze. is spelled. Yeah, that just goes uh, to show how little I know. What about Oscar Meyer? How do you spell that? Don't spell Oscar. It's just spell Meyer. M a y e r. Meyer. Oscar Meyer instead of Oscar Meyer. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that would be it. Mm-hmm. What about Skechers? How do you spell that? A lot of it's spelling, so this works super well with like doing this S-K- on a podcast. E C H E R S. I think it's S K E T Sket C H E R S. Well, that is what a lot of people think, but Crap. there's no T. Crap! <laughs> Andrew spelled it how it would actually be spelled if it if you were just looking at the word exactly. Sketch. Well, a lot of people say Skechers, like right. with the T kind of, so mm-hmm. that's why I think a lot of people think that. Uh, what about Fruit Loops? Uh, fruit spelled F- the normal ways? It's spelled double O, I think. Yeah, it is spelled yeah. double O for the yeah, branding they... purpose of it all. Yeah. It's like the opposite of uh, to- Looney Tunes, basically. <laughs> so this one, I won't even ask you. I'll just kind of say it because... Uh, you guys have probably not seen the King Henry the Eighth uh, painting that a lot of people think has a turkey leg in it, but it that's actually my, doesn't. That's my favorite painting. I have it hanging in my room. <laughs> There's no turkey leg in that painting. I tell everybody that at parties. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> uh, so the Monopoly Man. Does he have a monocle or no? No. No monocle. No monocle. That's a big one that a lot of people have figured out because of this effect. What about Pikachu's tail? Does it have the black or no black? No black. black. No black. There's a little bit like ah. of a brown uh, at like the bottom of his tail, and then it's yellow at the top. 
farts. Uh, so does Kit Kat have a hyphen or not? Oh, no hyphen. Gosh. No. No, there's no hyphen. Aha. Fruit of the Loom. Does it have a cornucopia behind the fruit? No. No. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I just remember those. I, I remember it looking like that. Though. Yeah, that's one. That one still throws me off a little bit because I do feel like I remember there being a cornucopia, but I like know there's not. But I still, it still sounds right that there would be one for some reason. Yeah. You guys remember those commercials where the fruit was like the mascot, and it was just oh yeah, they were, those were and, so funny. Oh gosh, I never really understood that they were advertising un- underwear until I was much older. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, what about uh, that? Baked cheese snack. What is it called? Cheese it. Cheese it. Yeah, it's cheese it. Yeah. There's no Z, but everyone always goes cheese it's because it's plural. In our, yeah, multiple. And then a lot of people just think it's spelled with a Z. Well, is it? Isn't there a Z in no. the end of cheese? Oh yeah, oh. It, there's a Z at the end of cheese. That's why people think there's a Z at the end um. of its. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a singular cheese it is a cheese eye. Yeah, oh, what? Cheese eye. <laughs> cheese eye. The cheese. Did it. you eat a lot of cheese it today? No, I only had one cheese eye. <laughs> uh, so the double stuff in Oreo. How do you spell stuff? S T U F. Yeah, it's just That's, one F. It's one F. Yeah. It's it's... Double... So it's only double stuff, not even double stuffed. Eating. Yeah, it's literally it's just, just double stuff. <laughs> That's another kind of Mandela effect within that. There's uh, two. Two for the so, price of one. A lot of people think uh, Mona Lisa's smile was uh, that there. It's more obvious, but it's way more subtle than people think it is. So, uh, yeah. C three PO. What color is his right leg? It's silver. Yeah. What? Yeah, his right silver. leg is silver. It has not become gold until the second movie. As would say, yeah, I'm, look, it I'm looking this was one up. Gold in one of the movies, it uh, becomes gold for Empire Strikes Back and Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi, but it is silver in the A New Hope. Yep. Oh my gosh, you're right. What the crap? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never do that one. That's wild. I knew. Yeah. That. Fl- uh, how do you spell the Flintstones? F L I N T. I don't think there's a T. There's no T. It's the Flintstones? Yep. That doesn't make any sense because that's dumb. Because wouldn't Flint be like a good idea because it's the Stone Age and you need to start a fire so you have Flint? And so it's the Flintstones. Flint, you strike Flint on the stones. Not the Flintstones. Who the heck are the Flints? (laughs) Who cares about the Flints? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny that's interesting uh, yeah so cinderella's castle uh, and disney it's only in the florida location it's not in the uh, california location which a lot of people think it is take that that's california obviously. suck it california yeah. <laughs> uh so in the movie casablanca oh gosh a lot of people think that the line played again, Sam, oh, is in wait. the movie. I knew this one, actually. But it's uh, it's actually play it once, Sam, for old time's sake. Yeah. 
That's what that's like I one of the classic That's one of the classic misquoted movie lines in history. Speaking of wh- misquoted movie lines, how is the I am your father line? How does that No, go? Luke. I am your father. He doesn't he doesn't say Luke. Yeah, he doesn't say Luke at all. He says no, I am your father. Well, how about you all just take a nice big <laughs> cup of shut up? <laughs> It's uh, Obi-Wan never told you. You know what's funny is he that... He told me enough. He told me you killed him. You no, told you. I, I am, am your, fa- your, father. your father. A big part of... Uh, or at least one scene... That, one thing that was pointed to for why that scene is misquoted is that in the movie Tommy Boy, he says, Luke, I'm your father, into a fan. Because that makes yeah, him yeah. sound like... Darth and then Peter. a lot of people just quote it continuously wrong, and then everyone learns from the people quoting it wrong and not mm-hmm. the actual movie. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> So what the heck, Chris Farley. <laughs> another, another uh, misquote is, uh, what's the famous line from Jaws about the boat? We we're gonna need a bigger boat, Matt. Um, it, it is like along that line. Is it? I think we need a bigger boat. It's you're gonna need a bigger boat. Oh, you're gonna need a bigger oh. boat. Yeah, everyone yeah, says weird though. Yeah, uh, yeah, because right. Hooper Hooper's talking to Cap to the cap to Captain. Uh, I forget his last name, but he's talking to the captain in that. I guess he's talking to the captain in that. It's not so much because it's not his boat. He's just brimting, <laughs> or not yeah. brimting. He's just he's just using it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think exactly. It's not Hooper's job to invest in a bigger boot, bigger boot, a bigger <laughs> boot. <laughs> I, I think bigger, you're getting a bigger boot to stomp on this shark. <laughs> no, that that's for our Canadian listeners. Shout out Canada. We a see bigger you. boot. Or just our the Upper Peninsula people. The, yeah. The Upers kind of talk like that too. Uh so the color chartreuse, what color is that? Oh gosh. It's like a is, is it a green or is it a pink? Green. So green? It is a shade of green. Yes. Thank you, Blue. A lot, of think, a lot of people think it is pink, though. I know that one. I, said... it, I know that one because there was a color episode of Blue's Clues that I watched probably fifty million times as a kid, and Chartreuse yeah. was brought up in that episode. So, if Matt, you, I, if, I, if you hadn't said green or pink, I would have said pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because everyone just thinks it's pink. It's uh, more fancy. Exactly. <laughs> um, Matt, I know you haven't seen Forrest Gump, but nope. like. The chocolates line in that. Have you heard it? I've well, I don't. I don't know if I've ever actually heard the line, but I've heard people quote it, so I probably don't know it correctly. <laughs> yeah, Mama, so, Mama I, always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Matt, what is your guess? I I mean I I, I don't even have a guess. <laughs> I guess I I guess I'll say um. Uh, I think Andrew said it. Well, I don't know about the my mama part. I guess life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So pretty much the same. Yeah, it's actually life was like a box of chocolates. Oh, really? Yeah. Shut up, Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that, that line can no longer be applied to modern day because it was in the past tense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just because he's recapping the whole story uh, on a bench to someone. So. You know, you know that won the Oscar for Best Picture over Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> No, uh, what that did? Yeah, I think so. Dang. Did I have, you guys? I haven't hear... seen either, but to my under, but I know way more people who like Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Shawshank Redemption is amazing. Movie. I need to Everyone see that one. See it. It's so good. But do you guys ever hear the theory that Forrest Gump was a sleeper agent 
by the government. Oh, yeah. Ah. It's hilarious. Because everyone he meets eventually gets shot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not <laughs> and everyone, he just meets, like, all people. these... In- yeah, he meets all these important people, too, like yeah. Elvis. And, he met Kennedy. And he he, ne- he actually he never met Elvis. He, oh, Elvis yeah. was on the TV when he was a kid at his mama's house. Actually, wait, no. He did no, meet he, Elvis. Yeah, because he learned the dance moves. That was, that was who he was talking to. <laughs> yeah, so Elvis, exactly. It was supposed to be that Elvis took the dance moves from him. Yeah, because he, exactly. Because he saw how he danced with his legs. So he did meet Elvis. I forgot. I thought Which, Elvis, then the Elvis, Elvis movie, is on. Fantastic, by the way. Oh, Talk about talk about soundtrack. That I need a oh, soundtrack. Yeah. That is so good. They mix with the, like mixing of like Doja Cat in there, and uh, there was another artist that I don't know that was that. Did yeah, I just heard it like, today. I can't remember his name though. So <laughs> freaking good. Instead of like doing like the crappy thing of relying on uh, the artist's music for carrying the movie, kind of like what Bohemian Rhapsody did. It's like, oh, we'll just let these famous songs carry the movie for the entire time. But no, yeah, they, they kind of remixed it, made it work better. They remixed it. Like, like you said, electric guitar. There's a scene. You remember the scene oh, yeah. where he's dancing his first performance on the hayride? He's oh, yeah. dancing. And also, they cut in this amazing cut that electric of electric guitar. guitar. That fantastic. It's so amazing. Baz Luhrmann is, an, is a next level director. He deserves he so. an award for that performance. It's He's fantastic. Elvis. Absolutely uh, believable as him, for him as Elvis. Yeah. Like, Elvis, Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, the Great Gatsby. Uh, what's the last one? Moulin Rouge. Those are just fantastically, just uniquely edited movies that yeah. are just that are just break the genre in a new so, way. Speaking of breaking the genre in a new way, um, our next Mandela effect uh, <laughs> is a quote from Snow White, because Snow White was uh, one of the first like really animated pictures, like the way that it was. Um, so, what's the most famous quote about the mirror? Mirror, mirror on the wall, show me who's the prettiest of them all. Matt? Show me who's the fairest of all? I don't know. Farts! Yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually is magic mirror on the wall, not mirror, mirror. Oh. Well, who cares? That movie's just old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then the, the next one. Uh heard the song boom boom pow from 2008 i don't think so i believe so is it the black eyed peas oh wait yeah a lot of people think it came out in 2008 but it came out in 2009 is the big thing that well, yeah, that's it, really cool about it i was gonna song say that i know i've never really heard it either <laughs> after all these um, other after all these other ones that one's got, that one's a little bit lame <laughs> it's just oh yeah. this came out a year right this just came out a year later than everyone thought yeah is that the black eyed peas yeah, it is a Black Eyed Peas. Oh, uh, so I have heard that song. I just didn't care when it originally came out. Because <laughs> yeah, I, we, we were I, like nine years old, eight years old. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I have you guys seen the movie Risky Business? I haven't, so. No, I have not either. I have not. Yeah, so I will skip that one. It's a Tom Cruise one, though, so I found it interesting. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings, I know you guys have seen that. So, mm-hmm. yes. Uh Gandalf, uh, I I can't really get you guys to quote this one because it's more of an obscure quote, and there's so many quotable lines within. Um, so before Gandalf falls and he's trying to like save them, uh, he actually says, "Fly, you fools! Not yeah. run, you fools!" 
Yeah, it's hmm. fly because it's like the using the other because fly is technically a synonym for run. You can go like fly away instead of like running. You can just say fly. Yeah. But uh, did you? Uh, yeah. There was a there was a speaking of Lord of the Rings. Just a quick aside, is I saw this. Uh, I think I saw the tweet, and I think I also saw. I think it was either a tweet or the picture of the tweet. But it was like it's like someone's talking about my favorite moment in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Gandalf says, "Bad news, everybody." Uh, Mo- Sauron knows everything that Pi- or Saruman knows everything that Pippin knows. Good thing is Pippin doesn't know anything, so we're good. <laughs> That's so. a good one. Uh, yeah, you guys know the song "We Are the Champions." Mm-hmm. We are the champions, my friends. Yeah, how does that end? Uh, what? With like, them how stopping. Does this song end? Uh, we are the champions. No time for losers. We are the champions till the end. Hey, good job. It. A lot of people think it's of the world. Well, yeah, that's how they say it in Chicken Little. Yeah, that's that's exactly I think where it came from. Uh, <laughs> of the world. Of the world. That. <laughs> that's about how he sings it too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Zach Braff singing it, Chicken Little. Mr. Rogers, his theme song. How does it's a that beautiful start? Day. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? It's Won't actually it's a beautiful be... day in this neighborhood. Well, <laughs> I hope you kept that cup around because you can take another big swig from that cup. And shut up. <laughs> uh. Have you guys seen I Love Lucy or no? I've seen like yes. one episode. <laughs> uh, his famous cat, uh, Ricky Ricardo's famous catchphrase. What is it? I don't know. I do not know. Uh, so a lot of people explaining to do, uh, but it's actually really. And, those are two yeah. totally different things. You, okay, and, your voice got yeah. out completely for oh. both of those things, <laughs> so I don't know what either the false one or the true one were. So the tr- a lot of people think it's, Lucy, you have some splaining to do. Okay. And it's actually, splain that Lucy, uh, or Lucy, splain. Splain that, and, what was, splain that to me, Lucy? Yeah, splain that if you can. Oh, if but you A lot can. of people think it's, Lucy, have you have some splaining to do? Splain just sounds like a weird word nowadays. That's a very weird. No one word. really splain. I think it's because he had a, a strong uh, Spanish accent. So yeah. he's like, you've got some splaining to do. Uh, so how many states are in the U.S.? I hope you guys get this one right. Fifty. Fifty. Yeah, a lot of people think there's fifty-one or fifty-two. I think that's because of like the Dominican Republic and all that. Are people stupid? Well, they, like I, my guess is people probably count DC, and they may, may also yeah, think that, that too. they may also think Puerto Rico counts, but it's not. But I mean, that's just like a general fact. There right. are fifty states. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, I am surprised. I'm surprised that a, that was actually one. <laughs> DC is a DC is a city in Maryland. So, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so who? says the line only you can prevent wildfire smoky the bear. bear it's smoky bear not yeah smoky the bear 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go burn down every forest I can find because of that. Because <laughs> I thought his so, name was something different. Exactly. Out of spite. <laughs> so do you guys know the photo of the guy standing in front of the tanks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the video? Tiananmen Square. Yeah. So people remember it differently. Some people uh, think he was actually run over and killed by them. Yeah, he was not he actually was, killed. He wasn't actually harmed. Yeah. Right. He's. I think he might still be alive. I have no clue. It was he's, 1989. He's probably so. in hiding, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, and then Neil Armstrong. Uh, so I guess a lot of people didn't realize he died in 2012. Hmm. Did you so, know that every time someone asks Buzz Aldrin about the moon landing being fake, he punches them? <laughs> That's awesome. He has done that yeah. on on multiple occasions. He has assaulted. Uh, That's great. <laughs> moon landing truthers. Oh gosh. Billy Graham is another one people think uh, didn't. Uh, they can't really remember when he died, and that's Billy Graham. Do you guys remember when he died? He was like twenty nineteen. He was somewhat recent, I think. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, he was recent. He was twenty eighteen, beginning 2018. of twenty eighteen. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that one. That was a that was a pretty big deal. Do you guys know that seven point four percent of Americans believe that milk chocolate milk comes from brown cows? Dawson just sent me a video of some football players who thought that was true. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I was so shocked. It's surpri- like, no it is surprising way. to me. Like you when you think about it in literally the dumbest way possible, like it makes sense. Like, ah yes, brown cow give brown milk, but like, no, that's that's not how that works. It's like why would it come out as chocolate? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes zero sense. It really yeah. does. It, I can't believe that one. I think it's an old study. I don't know how factual it is nowadays, but I believe it's an older one. Well, clearly there's still some. <laughs> there's enough. <laughs> and then the oh, we've got... Yeah, one more. Um, and that's... When did Leonardo DiCaprio win his first Oscar? Uh, was it 2015 for, it was, or 2016 for The Revenant? I say it was The Revenant. I don't remember what year that yeah. was, though. So. Yeah, a lot of people thought he won one earlier in his career, but he didn't. Well, you could argue, yeah, that, he, you could argue that he should have. <laughs> oh, yeah, he oh, yeah. definitely like, should have. He's a crazy it's the big, actor. It's the big joke of him having no Oscar, and then all he had to do was nearly freeze to death and get like hypothermia and get thrown around by a bear and have to yeah and eat raw meat yeah and eat a raw liver oh to to win like five like good lord i guess you gotta give this guy an award now (laughs) i mean that guy committed to it it was just like every oscars it was like why hasn't he won Mm -hmm. you know like so yeah because he turned he turned in some stellar performances even before the rant Speaking of Oscar losses, I think it's Spike Lee loses every time somebody drives somebody else. Because for, I think it was Do the Right Thing, he was up for an Oscar, and he lost to Driving Miss Daisy. And then he had uh, The Black Klansman in 2017, I think it might have been. And he lost to The Green Book. (laughs) Which is a a movie about a, a driver driving a african-american artists through the deep south so oh every God. time there's yeah. a racial there's a racial based driving movie spike lee 
better hope he does not have a Oscar nominated movie that year because <laughs> he, he's gonna lose. Yeah, R- RDJ always goes up against the Joker too. Jeez. Uh, yeah, because you got Heath Ledger and then you've got uh, Jack Queen Phoenix, and both times that was those were the only two times that like. What did you uh, just say? Joaquin Phoenix. <coughs> Joaquin. I, I don't care enough to actually watch that movie, or really, I don't really know him, but um, he's he does have a very strange name. Um, mm-hmm. Jack Queen. <laughs> yeah. Jack Queen. Haha. Jack Queen. Jack Queen. Civil play. Wee wee. Back at. Wee But, yeah, both times RDJ was up for like an award. That's he had funny. to go against those guys. So. I always love oh, look, and I, I always love looking back at like I, it's kind of funny that this came up earlier when I was mentioned Forrest Gump and Shawshank Redemption. But I do always enjoy looking back at Oscar nominations and like what won and lost and wins that made zero sense. You know, I always oh, love yeah. looking back at that. Will Smith slapping someone and still winning. Classic. Classic. <laughs> well, I mean, to oh, think also there that... was a time when uh, La La Land quote-unquote one instead of uh, oh yeah oh yeah yeah i had never even heard of uh, moonlight before that no he, he, that. that no he no, he did something he did, else. Uh, he he did uh miss miss miss, miss america and that, oh, was, i miss, remember it was horrible that was one miss, was bad. Yeah, miss universe it was yeah. Miss because it was a worldwide yeah, yeah that one was bad i forgot about people because it's just like they're the messenger like mm-hmm there's only so much they can do. Like they're given an envelope, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. I mean, I still think I think Andrew Garfield deserved the Oscar this year, like way more than uh, not way more than Will Smith. Will Smith was good and uh, and King Richard, but Tick Tick Boom, fantastic. Oh yeah, and that's... I hate musicals and I love that movie. I same and <laughs> like he like. I guess branched out into another genre that he doesn't normally do and was fantastic. Not only fantastic in it, but just completely owned the role and learned how to properly sing and do all this stuff that he's, he doesn't really do. Uh, But yeah, I mean, and it's, I'm the guy who directed it. I, I, Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, I guess Andrew Garfield, when he first got the role, uh, Miranda, like he, he came up to him and he was like, "Who told you you couldn't sing? Like who, who, who down way back and way way back when? Because I want to have a talk to with them because your voice is incredible." And I agree, like his voice is just so unique, and I didn't think he could sing because he's never really sung before, and it's mm-hmm. so so crazy. And I think the fact that he did not win an Oscar for that is just it's such a letdown because. He like I think he's he pushed stage. himself like uh, way outside of his normal range and comfort zone. Uh Will Smith kind of just you know, he had a good role and uh he did a role very very well, that being said. Uh and he did justice for like you know, uh uh Serena father and whatnot. Yeah. But I think overall, in terms of who kind of stretched stretched themselves more and did better, I think Andrew Garfield wins that. And of course, then 
is up for an Oscar, you know, every once in a while. So oh, yeah. <laughs> can't really can't really knock him. I still have yet to see uh, the Macbeth movie that he was in, but I've heard it's pretty fantastic. So, mm-hmm. and I think Benedict Cumberbatch was also up for one, and I've heard. Uh, so the movie he was up for was uh, The Power of the Dog. And I've heard it was such a snooze fest that, like, no one yeah, could I've make it. Yeah. yeah. Which one was that again? The Power of the Dog. It was, ju- oh. it was just one of those movies that is clearly made for just the critics, and I hate those movies. Those are the worst kind of movies. The worst. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, what are they even doing to make it for the critics? Like, what are these critics looking for in a movie? Because mm-hmm. it ain't—I—I I can tell you what I'm looking for in a movie, and it ain't something that I'm gonna fall asleep during. I'm I know gonna, people I'm... that had to restart them or had to like watch the movie in three different like segments, and I'm—I wouldn't started another day, like, but they—they they were committed to watching it because they watch every. Uh, Oscar nominated movie just to see what was like who deserves it and Benedict Cumberbatch sorry but that movie sucked <laughs> <laughs> like I, I watched like the trailer for it and everything and I was falling asleep during the trailer and again you can make a trailer so much better than the movie <laughs> yeah like yeah and I I think it it was on Netflix at one point, but I don't know if it is anymore. But it's a Netflix movie. I they, thought it was. That's what I was. They thinking. released it because you have to release it in theaters for it to get nominated, get technically uh, considered for an Oscar. Hmm. What happened with? Um, I think it was Roma a few years ago. It was a Netflix movie, but they wanted to get it nominated, uh, considered for an Best Picture nomination. So they put it out in theaters for like a few weeks. So people yeah. could see it in theaters. And, and the, I think I think Spielberg, I don't think it was either Spielberg or James Cameron got super upset about it and said yeah. that's like that's not real cinema. Right. But then so. again, everyone's <laughs> always calling something not real cinema. Yeah. Um I mean, even like the fan favorite moment this past year was like I liked it, but I think there was a better one. Um the they fan literally... favorite it like it was a cool moment and it's at the end of i won't really get into it because i don't want to spoil the end of the movie but it's the end of the Zack snyder and it's a great moment cool moment it definitely is something the fans wanted to see but like you've got spider-man no way home you bring these three visions together and you tell me that's not the fan favorite moment mm-hmm. like it broke box office records and put up huge numbers like fans definitely enjoyed it like even if they didn't love the movie they loved seeing those characters together so yeah i think it's also funny how that fan freight fan favorite movie category not so much the fan favorite moment but the fan favorite movie category was specifically designed it's so like never that, up to the fans uh, <laughs> but they're like they they made that so it was specifically designed for fans to vote to win because for some reason they refused to nominate a, a comic book movie for best picture, but right. they specifically so they specifically put, and, and put that together. Not specifically, but more like the subtextual reason for that to put there was so No Way Home could win. But Snyder fans were so upset that the uh, the Snyderverse uh, Snyder cut wasn't would not be uh, eligible because it wasn't released in theaters at all. 
and so uh, they may they voted for Army of Dead to win instead of No Way Home. <laughs> and then they voted for the fan favorite moment to be the uh, the scene from Justice League. Yeah, and it's, so they totally uh, stole the whole thing. Yeah, which is so toxic and dumb. Because like I love both moments, but like <clears throat> you're not talking about toxic and dumb. You're talking about Snyder fans all the way. They literally threatened. Yeah, yeah they they made the, the movie happen because they were just threatening people and getting mad just, the whole time. They threatened mm-hmm. and yelled at every executive at Warner Brothers until they finally made it. And then like, they're like, ah, we have control now. We can get them to do whatever we want. Yeah, and they're like, remake the Snyderverse, and I'm like, make some good movies for once. <laughs> you want to talk about Snooze Fest? There were some good parts of Snyderverse, but Snyder Cut. But, but it's so long. It's so long. Is it four like, hours? I was going to say, isn't it like four hours? It's four hours. I haven't actually it's, watched it, but... It's great uh, for the most part, but like... Gosh, you could cut some stuff out. There's yeah. four acts or five acts or whatever, and like each take about an hour. And geez. I think I I left a review for the movie on Letterbox, and I had said that um, I said that the I said the only redeeming one of the redeeming qualities of this movie is that it's better than the first movie. <laughs> but you could the only way. It's like there's only there's no way you couldn't be better than the first movie. It's like if somebody took took a piece of bread, put it on a plate, took a big dump on that piece of bread, served it to you, and said, and and you were disgusted, so you sent it back, and they brought you a cheap peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> of course, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is going to be better than the. Uh, turd covered bread that they brought you before so obviously it's gonna be better but you can't say it's perfect and the greatest thing you've ever eaten because it's <laughs> obviously not and there's obviously issues with it yeah the real can, cap it, is it, top is that you're actually allergic to peanut butter and can't even eat the sandwich they gave you after yeah that's the that's the point of putting it on uh hbo max <laughs> yeah yeah but, but... yeah that all being said, that uh, that brings this episode to a wrap. Uh, I don't anything else for you guys. So if you guys have any final thoughts that you want to share, go for it. But otherwise, we are good for episode five, which is actually four technically because we did a review last week. So episode four being the fifth like podcast that we've done is actually finally letting us pass our initial trial run of this back in 2019 we did four episodes and now we're officially past that so this is the longer lasting version of this podcast and well i say probably the better oh yeah so Technically speaking, technically we had speaking. that lost episode that we like, did never do, got yes. we so. did do five episodes the fifth episode just got lost. In... We talked about Sonic, and like, I, if I ever find we that started episode. this back up, two uh, came out. Like <laughs> that's how long it took. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, I think I I I'm gonna have to search to the deep depths of my computer to see if I can find that. Because if I ever do find that, I think we're just gonna put it out on this feed just because. <laughs> Just we'll call, call it, it the lost episode. Yeah, it we'll would be it, it would be kind of fun to go back because that's yeah. like 
you know, we'll put it out on our bonus as a bonus episode. We'll put it out as a bonus episode just to be our, just so we can put it out somewhere. Yeah, because that it's. I swear it's around here somewhere. I just gotta <laughs> find it. <laughs> it's been missing for years. Yeah, it's been three years now. That's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. I guess. Uh, Follow us on your podcatcher of choice for if you want to keep up with all these episodes. And uh, make sure to leave us a review. A review also always helps on whatever platform you listen on. It's always helpful. On Instagram, at the end, nothing but nonsense podcast. And, uh, and yeah, we uh, really thank you for coming out with us. And uh, thank you to Dawson for leading us through our our episode today, I think we had some great discussion. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think the true Mandela effect was their friends that we made along the way. What? They don't actually exist? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, actually didn't make any friends. These people were just trying to get away from you the entire yeah. time. <laughs> actually, I don't know why we're in a podcast together. I hate you guys. <laughs> Wolf. We've known each other for like... 15 years so <laughs> yeah that's rough I actually that this has been my master plan this whole time i i've told myself to get revenge on you for years because you you spited me back in the second grade and uh i told myself i'm gonna get revenge on him i'm gonna make him think i'm friends with him for 15 years and then we're gonna start a podcast together and then it's all gonna come out that i hate him and no, we're you gonna know, start a I'm podcast. Gonna, I'm gonna end up suing him for all of the lost uh, three dollars we've put into the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna no? start a podcast. That podcast is gonna fail. Then we're gonna start a new podcast, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna do. Actually, no. My my master plan was that I was going to uh, make a of our logo without freckles and i was gonna actually Crap. use that everywhere so <laughs> so you will just look like a a smooth-faced man with no freckles that is a deep <laughs> cut that's a deep cut right there <laughs> but, well anyways right. no <laughs> i'll actually we'll see you next week when uh andrew uh decides to host I decided to. <laughs> he makes a conscious uh, choice. He decides to come back after I've completely. I guess I'll, I, I we'll see if I if I forgive Dawson by next week. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see we what might, happens. Who knows? We might see in per, we might see each other in person this week too. So ooh, we'll be able to also a possibility to cuffs. <laughs> we'll we'll fight each other on the side of the highway on the side of the highway. <laughs> but all right. Well, see you next week, guys. Later, y'all. Adios. I said hasta luego last week, and I translate, and hasta luego is... <laughs> is what? It, it literally translates to, like, welcome. Oh, my gosh. Hasta luego. <laughs> so, Matt, you should cut it. I don't know if you cut it right after he said adios. You should cut it after I thought, <laughs> like, after he says the stuff about hasta luego. Yeah, no, I'm still recording, so I'll leave that up to Andrew. You should cut it.